From breaking news to local stories happening where you live, this is the Jill Bennett Show podcast. We are starting, though, with a story of yet another crime. And this was thieves on Vancouver Island who, uh, well, they really worked hard to break into a store. This is a jewelry store that has been broken into several times, so many times that the owner is now considering whether or not he even wants to stay in business. Jeff Ross is the owner of Gold Silver Guy Shops. They are located in Nanaimo, Qualicum, and Duncan. And he is joining me on the line to talk a bit more about this. Jeff Ross, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me on. How many times have your shops been broken into? In my career of just under 25 years, I've had 22 break-ins. 22 break-ins. And have have they happened kind of throughout those 25 years or more no, recently? No, five have, have occurred in the last, in just under a year, five have occurred in that length of time three of which occurred in the same manner. They just broke through a wall. You expect, or I would have expected a criminal to break through a window or a door. And so you protect yourself with bars, extra locks, film on a window, uh, cameras, glass break sensors. But it's very difficult to stop somebody who's determined to just take a hammer or a maul and break through a doorway, or I mean a, a wall, I should say, cement wall. So, and uh, so you mentioned there uh, kind of some of the things that you've done and had to uh, increase as far as anti-theft devices. But I understand uh, your shop, one of your shops was broken into again on Tuesday and uh, thieves kind of went above and beyond. Yes, um, they, the cement wall was, was uh, <laughs> butchered, if you will. Uh, on the inside of that wall was a two-by wall two-by-four wall, and then there was slat wall on the inside of that. So layers, again, of not security, but it, it works as a security. And beyond that was a series of shelves. So they managed to get through that and into a room that did not have a uh, sensor in the room. It had a sensor on the door. Um, that's where I would have expected the thief to come through. Uh, then that, there's another room uh, attached to that that has a, a scissor gate blocking the doorway. They managed to pry that scissor gate open, and with a battery pack grinder, we managed to get into a safe and run off with uh, a great deal of jewelry and pure gold and silver and cash. So my loss is, uh, at uh, we do an inventory every night, and my loss is nearing $70,000 at my cost. I don't mean markup, and I don't mean profit. That's just my loss. And because of the quantity of break-ins, I cannot buy insurance. If you call a, um insurance provider and you say you want to buy health insurance and you tell them you've got cancer, you can't get insurance either. So when you buy uh, insurance for a business, that's a question they ask. Have you had a claim before? Have you been broken in before? And when the answer is yes, and I tell them in excess of 20 times, they're, they're, I just can't buy the insurance. So it's 100% loss to me. 100%. So you've, you're out, like you said, then $70,000. $70,000. From this and then one. In March, February of this year, it was 62000 from a different location. And that's not to mention the cost of replacing a safe, the fixing the cement wall, um, the, the scissor gate, the damage that was done, several days of lost wages for me because I'm here waiting for the, the system to be fixed again. 
And and you, like you said, you've been doing this for 25 years. This is your life's work. I have a second mortgage and a home to finance all of this. So now I'm going to make payments on that, and I have nothing to show for it. The lengths that the thieves went to, and, and like you, you outlined the the measures that you've put in place to try and secure your inventory and to, to make it so you can't be robbed. Uh, I mean, do you get a sense of how how long they might have been in the store, and the fact they had to they had to have really planned this to know what it they came where they at uh, two o'clock in the morning when nobody would be around. It was a pouring, miserable, windy, rainy night here in Qualicum. So they, under the under the guise of the weather, nobody would be out. Uh, it's a back entrance, so it's a parking lot there, but no businesses would be open. So my guess is it could have been 10 or 15 minutes. And the nearest RCMP detachment is Parksville. So by the time uh, any sort of alarm might be triggered, um, they, they have to drive up. I mean, they have cars circling the area, perhaps, but not sitting outside a door. So I don't think it would have taken more than 10 or 15 minutes. I understand, too, they cut the, the security system, that you do have a, a security system, and that they, were, they cut that before they then yes. got into the safe. That's, that's correct. Hmm. So it, it's um, <laughs> you know, hindsight. You can always say you can do something a whole lot better, but you shouldn't need to. You, you, there's thousands of dollars invested in security when I, sh- I shouldn't have to. That's, that's causing you and everybody else who purchase it from my business or any business, all that security cost is coming out of the product profit. So it, it's jeopardy. I run 10 businesses. Only four are like this. The others are a different uh, product, but it jeopardizes all of them. Um, can I recover from this? Uh, you say, un- being uninsurable, it's, I, can't, I can't get a third mortgage on a home. Do you know anything about the thieves as far as there have been so many break-ins? Have you had ever had them caught on security camera or seen images of them? Yes, yeah. Uh, one year ago last week, uh, our Duncan store was caught on video, and they caught the gentleman uh, two blocks away within minutes, but he'd already thrown away or stashed or gave my product to somebody else. So the court case ended last week. He did plead guilty, but I don't know the outcome. I don't know what his penalty would be, but he certainly didn't come and pay me any money back, and he never gave it back. Hmm. So is that the only time anyone has been arrested or charged in connection? Uh, out of out of the 25 times, only two have ever been caught. Both times they went to court. This last one, I say he, he pled guilty, but I don't know the outcome. And the previous time was in Port Alberni, and the gentleman broke in on a Friday night, and he came back on a Monday night and broke in again. And he was a native living with a grandfather, and he was given a sweat lodge as a penalty. Meanwhile, I'm the one that has out the thousands of dollars. Hmm. So is your frustration then, I mean, obviously with the thieves that keep doing this, but also it sounds like you've done everything you can to protect your business, but but even if thieves get caught, uh, there's not a lot happening to them. I understand that the, and I don't know if it's federal or provincial, have just put out some sort of a program where businesses like myself who are affected by crime can apply to get $2,000 back. Well, I'm going to, but that 2000 comes out of your pocket and everybody else citizen of BC. Uh, again, I don't know if it's provincial or federal, but uh, I know it exists. So for 2000 is a pittance compared to $70,000. Um, but it, with the, you and I shouldn't have to pay for someone else's crime. That person should 
um, in my opinion, if they're on welfare or unemployment or even if they work, that money should be paid back to the victim. Um, and I know that's a circle. If you take money from the criminal, he's going to go out and take more money from somebody else to pay me. But there's, there's no, not a deterrent out there. What will you do then as far as your businesses and the fact that this keeps happening to your jewelry stores? Uh, I will go to a, well, it'll jeopardize my business either to stay open or I will have to go to something that's not valuable. It's just a costume jewelry. But in the city or the community of Qualicum, I'm the only jewelry store. So it's, it, yes, it's a target, but if if the consumer can't buy gold jewelry here, where are they going to go to? It, it's it's and, and the staff, the employment. It's, it's a vicious circle. Oh, for sure. But I think people would also uh, hear this, and like you say, you're you're losing sixty-two thousand, then losing seventy thousand. I, I mean, uh, how much can you actually endure? Well, if, I'm sixty-three years old, and that's my retirement. There, that was my pension, if you will. It's not money saved aside. It's it's in the business, so it's going to jeopardize my future because some criminal thought they would just take what they wanted. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you joining us, and I can uh, certainly hear the frustration in your voice. But thank you uh, for sharing your story, for talking about this, and coming on the show today. One last comment, if I could make, because none of this will ever change if the people who make the decisions in government are not affected by it. So if they had their home broken into, the rules would change. If they owned a business and were victimized only once, they would change. Yeah, and uh, you make a good point, and others certainly have made that point as well, that that, that, they're, that uh, if it uh, is more personal or to get that message across. Uh, yes. Je- Jeff, thank you again so much for You're joining welcome. us. Thank you. Final. As you've been hearing on the news, we are getting more word about aid trucks that are entering Gaza through the Rafah border. That's the border crossing with Egypt, carrying things like water, food, medicine, medical supplies. Still a big shortage of fuel. This as we hear from various relief organizations. We also had confirmation earlier today of a seventh Canadian killed after Hamas launched a terrorist attack against Israel on October 7th. And Certainly, tensions are very high as we continue to watch and see what is playing out. Well, closer to home, Vancouver police say they are investigating after hate speech was directed at a restaurant, the owner of a restaurant in Vancouver. Well, Ofra Sixto is the owner of Ofra's Kitchen and joins me on the line now to talk a little bit more about this. So, Ofra, thank you so much for taking the time. You're welcome, Jill. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your restaurant, uh, where your restaurant is, uh, and how long you've been there? My restaurant is at the West End. I've been here four years. Um, it is an Israeli restaurant. It's vegetarian and vegan. And in the last four years, two, twice, I have had um, threats on my life. Once was three years ago in 2021 when... Things escalated in Israel where people call me and say they will kill me and rape me, kill me, and then chop my body into pieces. And after much investigation with the police, they found out it was a 15-year-old from Montreal that has never even been to Vancouver. Um, and then all the protests that went on here, they just they just stopped in front of my restaurant and pointed their flag as, a, as it was a gun and screamed Allah Akbar, which is their scream when they go for a war 
Um, so this is my experience in the West End in the last four years. I, and when I it know comes to hate crime. I know. Uh, I mean, uh, that is awful what you are describing, and and that that has happened to you. I, I understand though, and I know, and people that uh, have have gone by your restaurant or who have been in that area uh, will see that you have also you have put up uh, an Israeli That's flag right. as uh, as we watch what is happening uh, following the attack from Hamas. What what was was it to show support or what what prompted you to put up the flag? Ten million of my brothers and sisters are in Israel. In one day, 1,500 of them got murdered. 250 and more are hostages. More than 4,000 or even more, I don't even know how many, are injured. Of course, I feel helpless being here in Canada in a place that knows no hate, knows no hate. And my support for Israel was to put a flag on my window. This is the flag. This is me. I'm Israeli. I am proud. I'm not scared. I also put pictures of the kidnapped on the window. Little kids, old people, what would they do with a four-year-old in captivity? It's beyond me. Um, So this is my support for Israel. This morning, and just now about 15 minutes ago, Two people walked in asking me to put a Palestinian flag beside my Israeli flag because I killed 7,000 kids. And they asked me to leave the West End. Of course, this nuisance, is, it doesn't get to me much. It gets me a little bit, not much. But it just shows that the population, most of the population are just, many of the population are just not informed. They they take to the lies and they listen to the media, which really honestly, Jill, the media has a huge part in how the world feels about Israel, even though you have to remember we were attacked in one day, 1,500 children and women and old people were murdered. Where is the media for that? Why are you not saying anything about that? It's always poor Gaza, poor Gaza. Well, I, th- I think, though, I mean, I, we, we have been talking about that. We certainly no, have, have been reporting that and, and, mm-hmm. and calling it what it, what it was. It was, an att- mm-hmm. it was a terrorist attack from Hamas. Yes. Yes, I don't. I, I, honestly, I don't really listen to um, the news on the radio. I'm hooked to the news from Israel. Sure. Uh, because when I see the news here, it just aggravates me so much. I just listen to the real news. Um, so I honestly, I don't know what you reported or not, but I'm just saying generally the media is really biased in this case. When you put up the flag, and, and, and you mentioned it happened just as as recently as this morning, people coming in that, that are offended by this or want you to take the flag down, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing you would have known there, there would have been some pushback, but you have also gotten support. I know the MLA for the area has, has voiced his support that, of course, you can support Israel and, and your family and, and your country. Uh, what, what has your response been to, to what you've heard? Both both support and those who, who don't like the fact that you have put up the flag. The the support that I get here from people in the neighborhood, from the Jewish community, from people who love Israel and see the truth, it's immense. It what keeps me here. It what keeps me opening the restaurant every day. 
Um, yes, there are there, there, a lot of people that walk in, drive by, scream murderers and things like that at me, uh, free Palestine and all kinds of things. Um, but really what keeps me going is the support that I get here. And um, and it comes from many people that are not even Jewish and uh and lots of Iranian, lots of Iranian support Israel. Um, yeah. Do you think that there, when you talk about people not being educated or not knowing really what is going on, or even the history of of this of this and what is happening, do you think that there is a tendency to to equate? Uh, Palestinians, civilians, and residents, Palestinians to Hamas. When, when obviously those are not the same thing. There are Palestinians who don't support Hamas. There are Palestinians who are caught in this and 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 uh, are not. We're not in favor of that attack. Think the attack on October seventh was absolutely horrible. Is it is it kind of a lack of understanding there as well that 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 Palestinians and Hamas are not all the same thing. It's a really difficult question for me to answer because you're not going to like my answer, Jill. And I'm going to get more heat every day that I come to this restaurant. I think it will be my last day on earth. But I still come. What I'm going to say now, and I'm really, I'm not, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. They live among the Palestinians. If the Palestinians, which are the majority, not the Hamas, didn't want them, they could have let them go. They could have kicked them out of there. But if you are a Palestinian and you're against the Hamas, they would kill you. And we saw it time and time again how innocent Palestinians are being murdered by Hamas. So I feel for the children. I feel for the women. I feel for the people who died there. But you have to remember two things. One is... We didn't start it. We just retaliate. Israel never attacked. They just retaliate. 1,500 murdered. We just retaliate. And the second thing is there were bombs on Israel. They're continuously bombing Israel with rockets. Why we don't have injured and dead, do you know? Because all the children and all the women and all the people who don't have to be up are in shelters. Why are they not in shelters? Why are they parading them on the street to be killed and murdered? There, there are tons of shelters and all the tunnels that they build. Why don't they protect their people? If Hamas cares so much about the Palestinians, why they don't take care of them? Where does all the aid that go to the Palestinian, to Gaza, where does it all go? Where does all the oil go? Where does all the gas go? Where does all the food go? You have to ask yourself, and you have to really, really learn where things go and where, how things go in Gaza. And and Afra, to to get back to what you have been dealing with here, and and I do hear it in your voice. I know as well, and this is happening in other communities. There have been posters going up of yes. of the the people who are being held hostage by Hamas. Uh, there are there are counter posters to those, and in many cases, they are all being torn down by uh, by by people who disagree uh, either way. Uh, what do you do next, or what what will you continue doing at your business? I'm still here. I will open every day. I will show no fear. I will keep posting posts that I know are truth. 
I will keep posting my thoughts on Facebook and Instagram. I, I honestly, Jill, I barely do anything for the restaurant anymore. I barely post any pictures. Yesterday, a friend came and says, Oh, you need to post some pictures for the restaurant. You need to just step away from it for a minute and breathe. And I'm like, I really can't. I eat it. I sleep it. I breathe it. I dream it. All I dream about, all I think about is my people in Israel and what they go through. I call my sisters and my nieces and everybody there. And we can't talk. We have to go to the shelter. There are sirens. Why do we have to live like that? Afra, I appreciate you so much, and uh, I get what you're saying that this is this is all consuming and uh, also taking away from from your livelihood. But Afra, thank you for coming on the show and for talking with me today. My pleasure, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. Well, have you cut back on your alcohol consumption? If so, you are not alone. There appears to be a growing trend of not only cutting back when it comes to alcohol consumption, but also looking at non-alcoholic options and brands that make alcoholic beverages. Well, they are taking notice of this and they are coming up with more of those versions of more of those non-alcoholic choices to try and get that corner of the market. Well, joining me to talk a bit more about this is Sarah Kate, president and founding editor of Some Good Clean Fun. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me today. Well, I want to talk more to you uh, about this. I find this topic really fascinating. Before we get into that, though, what exactly is Some Good Clean Fun? So Some Good Clean Fun is Canada's lifestyle platform for uh, non-alcoholic drinks and content related to the alcohol, you know, choosing an alcohol-free lifestyle, whether that's for a day, a week, a month, or for the rest of your, your life. So encouraging people to love a life with less alcohol. And how long have you been operating or how, when did this kind of, when did this come about? Well, so I launched it in April, 2021. And at the time there really wasn't a lot of non-alcoholic drinks available in Canada, to be honest. But, um, you know, I really felt like this was something that was important to talk about, about, um, you know, that you can make healthier choices and there are really good things to drink. And, you know, there, and I knew I could see it coming in the UK and Europe. So I thought this was going to be a, uh, you know, a topic of conversation and, you know, sure enough over the years, you know, the, the, the ability to um, try products, review them, it has just grown and grown and grown exponentially. So now I do wine reviews every other week and I make mocktails and I don't even like the word mocktails, but I mean, just so people understand what they are, non-alcoholic cocktails. We do beer review, you know, I have writers, I have, uh, you know, actually our beer writers from Vancouver. So he's from uh, out West and uh, there's lots of great non-alcoholic beer in Vancouver, let me tell you. <laughs> well, and that's certainly one of the, I think one of the areas where people maybe saw it first and that if you go back a few years, if you were looking for a non-alcoholic beer, you had maybe one or two choices and they didn't taste great. You knew you were drinking that's right. a, a, a something yeah. or, or you it would often be called a near beer. Yeah. Uh, whereas yeah. now <laughs> there are so many options. So it's is that kind of what led the trend or was at the front of this? Yeah, actually. So, you know, the non-alcoholic craft beer movement actually was, uh, you know, not ahead of the curve, but they were definitely the first ones out of the, the uh, you know, uh, not out of the gate, but sort of like who did really well. So it's uh, a little bit easier. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's, you know, making a non-alcoholic craft beer um, is, uh, is one of the things that has really done well in this category of non-alcoholic drinks. It's, they're fantastic. There are so many of them now and they all taste 
not all, but you know, you know, 90% of the ones that I taste are fantastic. And I'm not a huge beer drinker, but you know, uh, I now enjoy occasionally a good non-alcoholic beer just because there are so many options available. And I like the fact too that the packaging, it looks, and not that you have to do this because I realize what I, I'm about to say this and it sounds like I'm, I'm bowing to the peer pressure, but the packaging mm-hmm. also looks very similar to the real beer. So you can kind of blend yeah. into the crowd. It doesn't look, you're not yeah. drawing attention to yourself that you're drinking right. a non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> that's right. I think that's part of the strategy is that, you know, when somebody's choosing not to drink for whatever that reason is, you don't always be the want, want to be the one to a glass of club soda with ice or, you know, sparkling water and and everybody saying, oh, you're not drinking or or a beer that says zero percent on it, you know, a huge zero on it. um, That's, you know, oh, here we are, you know, here I am not drinking and then it raises questions. So I think that, you know, having branding on beer cans and non-alcoholic products that help people blend into the crowd is it's a great strategy because it helps people then make that choice without the pressure. Are you seeing that other companies, companies that maybe uh, have in the past, they've been known for their alcoholic beverages and that's what people are drawn to and that's what people purchase from them. Are those companies really getting into this and realizing there is a market if they're going to, to, to put out beverages that taste good, but don't have alcohol in them? Yeah, and I think that a lot of the big, the global beverage companies, they are really, they felt the winds of change many years ago. It takes time to develop these products. And so now is sort of the time when we're going to start seeing more and more of the big global brands saying, you know, we want a non-alcoholic option and they want to do it well. They want to do it in a, in a way that, you know, if somebody is really interested in, in drinking um, Captain Morgan's or Tanqueray, for instance, um, they're, and they enjoy that taste, that they're going to also like the zero alcohol version of it because it has similar a similar taste profile to it and so they're they're realizing that um you know gen z is drinking less way less like 50 percent less than than you know gen gen x for instance and they're they're looking at their margins and their their you know their shareholders and saying how you know how can we capture this so there's a business aspect to it but i think they're also realizing this is just life now people are more well balanced and drinking isn't going to be as um, as critical to social success as it used to be. Hmm. And uh, th- that's kind of answered my next question And that I know this has been studied a bit, but is it health concerns or, or is, it, uh, is it exactly like you said, it's maybe not part of the workplace as much? Is it money, that uh, the cost of it, that we're seeing this huge? I mean, that's a huge decrease of a 50% less alcohol intake for a generation. Yeah, it is. And I think there's a few things driving this um, across all demographics. And one of them is that during COVID, um, people faced head on the reality of, of drinking an addictive substance every day. So I think that, um, you know, a lot of people were like, wow, I'm not feeling great. I'm getting a little too connected to, to attached to this. You know, I've got to, I've got to pair back. And they're looking for, some, for an alternative option once in a while to help them do that. There's also democratization of information about what alcohol does to us. It's not behind closed doors anymore. And, um, you know, what the, the health impact of it, but also the joys and the benefits of not drinking also are, are out there a lot more. Gen Z is drinking less. They have access to cannabis when, you know, Gen X may not have, you know, didn't have access to cannabis. cannabis. And, um, you know, there's just a whole push in our culture for wellness and self-care and waking up hungover is not self-care. No, that's uh, very, very true. Uh, you talked about beer and, and how cra- the craft beer market has really embraced this. Is is that also because, like you said, it's it's seems a bit easier to make a, a 
good tasting, non-alcoholic craft beer. What about things like spirits and wine? Right. So um, spirits is coming, has come really, really far. We're really, really close to, you know, something that tastes 95% like a tequila. Um, And just like in the regular spirits world, each one has their own taste profile, their own innovation, the way that it's made. You don't drink them straight. You always have to mix them with something in general. Some of them you can drink on the rocks if you really want to, but they're generally made to be able to make interesting and elevated cocktails with. And, you know, tequila is one of the ones that is really popular because you can put it, you know, mix the non-alcoholic tequila with lime juice and some salt and a little bit of, you know, uh, maybe orange extract or orange juice and you've got a, a margarita. So um, those are, we've come a really long way. Non-alcoholic wine is a lot more difficult. It is such a complex product. It's an agri- agricultural product. So with beer and spirits, you can make them in controlled environments. With wine, you've got a lot of different complexities and layers. You've got winemakers, you've got you've got to ferment something, then you've got to take the alcohol out of it, and then you've got to like put the flavor back into it. So it's really complicated, but there's some really great non-alcoholic wines out there made by producers who care. Um, about the way that it tastes and the people that are drinking it. And uh, you mentioned, so taking the alcohol out of it. And is that how, how it's done for the most part in that the beverage makers are making an alcoholic uh, beverage and then it's the, the system, they're taking the alcohol out. They're not making a beverage that never had alcohol in it? That's, uh, so sometimes with beer, it's controlled fermentation. So it's, not, it, it's never had alcohol in it. So they, they control the fermentation. Some beers, not all. Some beers are fully made as a regular beer and then the alcohol is removed. Wine, that's how it's done. The alcohol, the wine is made as a full full alcohol wine and then the alcohol is removed from it. Um, spirits are made in a completely different way. I have no idea how to explain that quickly <laughs> on the radio, but um, with beer, with beer, often it is a controlled fermentation so that the, you know, they use a lower sugar yeast so that it doesn't get up to uh, an ABV of past 0.5. Uh, in, you know, I'd say 60, per, 60 to 80 percent of the craft beers out there now, that's how they're doing it. Um, the rest of them are doing it with uh, vacuum distillation or um, other product, other other innovations. And is that why the price for uh, and uh, the reference here, I, I've noticed some of the non-alcoholic wines uh, on some grocery store shelves and in, in wine shops. The price is about the same. And is that because it's the same amount of work? It's the same uh, process, really, or maybe even more complicated process to make it? So with grocery store non-alcoholic wine, generally it's cheaper because it's a cheaper product. And not all of them, but yeah, 90% of the grocery store wine is it's grapes, uh, subpar grapes. They're not made with a winemaker. It's just basically putting you know, subpar wine into a tank and pressing a button and, and cooking the wine so the alcohol comes off. So that's why it's cheap. It's by volume. Um, the, the beer is it's, it's easier to make in volume. So that's why you know, it's, it's a good price point. Regular wine, like uh, a good quality non-alcoholic wine, is going to be really expensive, even more expensive than what you're going to get at, uh, you know, at the, the your local liquor liquor store because it's double the effort. Mm, okay, that makes sense because then that does make. Uh, I've seen in some of the wine shops, it looks great, it's marketed great, but it is expensive. And I've often wondered, well, unless you really yeah. want the non-alcoholic, people might think, well, why would I pay more for that when I can get the actual right. bottle of wine yeah. for for it's less? Just double, yeah, it's double the effort because they're making a, a great wine and then they're removing the alcohol from it and trying to maintain the great product, the quality of the product. So it's very hard, and it's very very hard to do that. So. That's why it's a slow burn right now. Like there's, you know, there's, it's a trickle onto the market of like how many good non-alcoholic wines there are. So I just have to reinforce that just because something says, 
we're a non-alcoholic wine and, you know, we're, you know, we're, we've, we're this style of grape. It's, it may not taste good. Um, it's really difficult to do. So try, everybody has different taste buds too. So try, try everything, try the cheap, try the expensive, see what you like. Cause they're all going to be different and not all of them are good. Just like anything, really, whether it's got yeah, the alcohol yeah. or not. Um, That's right. That's uh, you, right mentioned, yeah. you mentioned to Europe where where this has kind of already been underway or, or underway as well. Mm-hmm. I have a, a friend; she's a wine rep in Australia. She was saying the same thing uh, that that generation all wants non-alcoholic wine, or there's a big demand for it. So, do you see yeah. that that it will be growing here, and we're going to see more of this? Absolutely. I think um, just, you know, in the, the difference in a couple of years has been incredible. I talk to people every day who they say, oh, what do you do for a living? And I explain, and they say, oh, yeah, I'm cutting back on drinking all the time. So I think that more and more, um, this is becoming just a way of life. And I think it's just going to grow even more. And I think there's a, you know, there, you're going to see a lot more products, you're going to see the quality improve on a lot of in a lot of areas. And um, and it's not going to be, there's no stigma attached to it. That's the beautiful thing about this, that it's not about like, oh, you're sober. It's, you know, oh, I'm just choosing a non-alcoholic drink today because that's what I want. Very, very interesting. Sarah, Kate, thank you so much for joining the show today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune in to the Jill Bennett Show live from noon till 3 on 980 CKNW. Have a question or comment? Send me an email, jill at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.